0: If you really want to be good at sales, you really want to close extra deals, you got to have a structured sales presentation and whether you know it or not, you have a structured sales presentation. It's either perfection or chaos. So how do you know? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios on episode number 196. Why structured sales presentations help you close the deal? Well, at least that's what the title is working on paper right now. It may change slightly in the future. And I want to start by telling you a story. I recently went to a live event and I watched a person present. And during this presentation, it became very clear that the presenter was flying by the seat of their pants. And it was very frustrating. There was no structure. There was no organization. And people were genuinely lost and confused. And there's a reason why I bring this up. Because there's times where I ride with salespeople, and it's very evident that they have no no style that they're working from. They don't have an order of operations. They don't have a timeline built. And what ends up happening is they fly by the seat of their pants. And flying by the seat of your pants in sales is predictable to lose sales, but it's not predictable to close deals. So it's predictable in the negative, but not predictable in the positive. And there's a lot of times where I see salespeople go into this process. And remember, I watched from the pilot co-pilot seat. And I'm watching, and I can see the point where the buyers get lost, where the consumer is just like, this is not this is not working for me. And your clients know when you are prepared. They know when you're spinning information. You may feel like you're masterful at spinning content and that you can do things on the fly. And the truth of the matter is very, very few people can do that and do it well. The majority of salespeople, the majority of presenters their their downsides are revealed their non ability to present so you know what's interesting is like sometimes when i watch sales trainers work there's times where they walk into a room and i can tell they've got no agenda they're flying by the seat of their pants i've seen this so many times i've seen this from people who are supposedly really good at what they do and at the end of the day it's just their name is the thing that carries them they really don't have anything to offer and so like, I want you to think about this. There's probably been a time where you've watched a presentation. And you're like, I can't put my finger on why I don't. Oh, it feels like we're talking in circles. Now I know. Salesperson's not prepared. There's probably been times where you've called, been called into a meeting and you're supposed to watch somebody and they don't have anything prepared. You know, they, they come into the room and they're like, all right, well, you know, how's everything going? Like, that's not, that's not a, a sales meeting. That's like a fakery. That's, uh, that's not the way that it's done. And so like you as a sales pro can tell who is a sales joe. And I want you to understand your buyer can too. They pick up on this. They know. They absolutely know. And your buyer deserves a better effort. They really do. Your your buyer deserves that because like you're going to be up against competition who take their job their role seriously. And so just so you know, before I do an episode of the How to Sell show, I usually line out notes. So I'm I'm going off of a structure here. And the reason for that is so I don't wander, so I don't get lost, so I have some ideas and some context of things that I can share with you. Because I got to let you know that even with structure and even with this information, sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, where was I at? And I have to pause and then I have to clip my podcast so that it makes sense. So it takes some work and effort. But the thing for you is you don't get to do that real time. If you're in a live presentation, it doesn't work that way. You know, you've got like one shot, one opportunity, one chance. You know, they they say you got one opportunity to make a first impression. And like, you got one opportunity to impress people on a deal. So I was recently working with an organization and I had done a ton of research. Like I went into the weeds research in this company and I knew stats and things that nobody else did. And the owner looked at me and he said, how much time did you spend researching the company? And I said, probably about eight hours. And he says, that's probably eight more hours than anybody else. Now, has it netted a deal? Not yet. But the owner recognized that I had spent more time than anybody else. This one's on a follow-up process. You know, not everything's an instantly closed deal. Sometimes it takes some work. And so just a reminder too, you know, your follow-up process has to be structured as well. That's an AKA, also known as. So you, when you take a look at a process, you get what you put into it. And so I will work with salespeople. Companies will hire me and say, hey, come work with my team. Come work with my guy. Come work with my salesperson. And like usually I like to see a, a, a makeup of who this person is before I work with them because there's times where I don't want to work with salespeople who aren't prepared because I don't want to babysit. If you don't want it, how am I supposed to want it? I mean, I, I got enough things in my life to make me want it for me, but I can't force somebody to want it. And so you get you get what you put in. And so like if if you're sitting there thinking, like, hey, sales is gonna be easy, it's gonna be a cakewalk and everything's gonna be masterful, even the best closers I know have bad days. And this becomes important, especially when you're working with a script or a structured sales process. And you know what? Here's the thing. I, I gotta have I gotta have the tough conversation that sometimes doesn't make sense to people. That if you hate structure, at the end of the day, it's what gives you freedom. So I was talking to a closer today and he's like, I've been through 20,000 sales calls, but I sucked to the first 7,000 to be good at the next eight, you know, the next 13,000. Most people aren't willing to do that. And there is a common, there's a common point for salespeople that push against the process because they, they, they think it's the process, not closing the deal. And all realities, it's the sales presentation. That's not good or that's not prepped. So, Salespeople will come to me and say, hey Scott, I got this process and I think it sucks. And I'll go, okay, well, let's see if let's see if there's anybody else in your industry that's using that same process and is it working for them? And they'll go, yeah, but you know, and here's here comes the yeah buts. Yeah, but that guy's a fraud. Okay. So is is there is there more than one person using it? Yeah, there there's like five guys using it, but those guys are frauds. Well, you know what it comes down to is uh there is some uncomfortable things that you got to learn in a sales process and in a scripting process. And I'm going to raise my hand and say like, in the very beginning, I hated the scripts that I was working with, but I found that as soon as I, as soon as I got them down, as soon as I realized what the, the script was, and then I took the script and I made it my own. And then I worked off of my script is when it worked better. But the it's, it's all about getting the pattern down. It's all about getting the recognition down. It's all about getting the process down. And, when you take a look at a top salesperson, and you see what they're up to, they're using a process that was either built or built by themselves, that they took the time, the energy, and the effort to go, okay, what's working? And like they go into the sales laboratory, they go into the basement, they, they go into the office, whatever phraseology that you want to use to explain what closers do, okay? And, and when you think about what it takes to build a winning sales presentation, It doesn't always happen overnight. It's something that takes work. It's something that takes effort. It's something that will challenge you. And this isn't for the faint of heart. It's not for the rookie. And so I'll work with brand new salespeople and they'll go like, I got a better version of the script. I'll go, give it to me. Tell me, come on, show me what you got. Show me what you're working with. And they'll give me the presentation that they have. And I'll say, okay, here's the objection that you're going to face. This is what they're going to tell you. This is the problem that you're going to have. How are you going to overcome it? And they'll go, oh, how do you know what you're gonna what, what the person's gonna tell me? I said, Come on, silly. I've been through so many sales processes. I can tell you where you lose the buyer, I can tell you where you're gonna have a struggle, I can tell you where the problem is. So then they go, Well, I'm gonna run it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out in the field and I'm gonna go put this thing to use and I'm gonna go do what I gotta do. And I go, Okay, okay, you're you're raging against the machine, you're fighting against the system, you got this. And we go out to the field, I'm writing co-pilot and I watch them, and sure enough, almost. Almost every time I can say, look, this is the objection that you're gonna face. This is what you're gonna get. This is the problem you're gonna have. Because what happens is it takes time, energy, and effort to learn a sales process. And when you when you start with a new product or a new service, you can have a framework and say, hey, this worked in one industry, it might work in another. It doesn't always work that way though. It takes a little bit to get the sea legs underneath you. You got a little bit of wobble to you. You got it, you got you got some some issues that are going on. And so when you take a look at top salespeople, they're using a consistent process that they had somebody built or they built themselves. And if they built themselves, it's typically because they've been in the field long enough to understand the ramifications of stories, questions, interactions, processes, and parts of their presentation. And this is where you will hear me say, it's not a sales call, it's a performance. You are an artist, It's all it comes down to. You are an artist out in the field. It is your job to give a performance. And sometimes, on the days that you don't want to give a performance, are the days that you have to put everything to it. Now, I know that there's been days where I've been sick and I didn't want to stay home. And because I didn't want to stay home and I was sick, I closed better on those days than of days that I was healthy because it helped. Like, I don't want to focus on being sick. Everybody's got their own version of examples of this. And sometimes people will say, You went to work sick. Hey, you know what? Things have changed a lot in the last couple of years back in the day. Yes, I went to work sick. If that makes me a bad person, then that makes me a bad person. So what I want to do is I want to give you a generic formula for a sales presentation. Because it's important to say like, you know, here's some framework for you. It, I don't want to just say, you know, you should really have some sort of uh, structured presentation. Good luck. <laughs> Hope everything works out for you. That's going to be fantastic. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you seven different steps that you could do in just about any industry that you could say, okay, I don't, nobody gave me a presentation. I can't find one. I'm going to take away your excuse. Number one, mind prep. This is all about you getting in the game. This is all about you letting loose of everything you need to go. Like I have a whole routine before I go into a sales presentation and it's not very long. I I sit for about two minutes and I just close my eyes and I imagine what the outcome is. They're doing business with me. I don't think about anything negative. I get everything negative out of my head. I don't care about the industry. Don't care about the name. Don't care about anything. The only thing I'm worried about is what do I got to do for this outcome? What's the outcome? The outcome is for them to have success. So, I breathe for about two or three minutes. I think about this outcome that I want, and then I snap my fingers and I say, let's go. Game time. You have your own version. I can't tell you what you got to do. So once you do your mind prep, you're going to have your intro. And there is all sorts of work here. It's not just, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? No, there's posturing. There's positioning. There's priming, there's frame control. And and like people will judge you in your first three seconds. They're gonna, they're gonna validate every 30 seconds after that. You are judged in three to five seconds. People look at you and they either like, I like this dude, I like this chick, or I don't like this dude and I don't like this chick. And so, you know, when I work with with salespeople, I say, Hey, look, let's practice your introduction, let's practice your first two minutes. They're like, No, let's practice closing. Like, we can make closing a whole lot easier by practicing your intro and making sure that you have a very solid intro. No, let's talk about closing. That's way more interesting. I'm going to promise you the best of the best practice everything, but they also practice the intro. And I'm going to challenge you. If you haven't practiced your introduction lately, you should. You should record it. You should talk to people. You should share, share with others what you got. Number three, rapport. Rapport. And there are some people who are just absolutely masterful at building rapport, and then there's people who aren't now i I, I will be 100 percent transparent with you. There's a point with me where small talk just drives me up the wall, and I'm like, all right i I've had I've, I've my, my limit. I'm at my limit. this is this is enough talking about weirdness and and interesting things, and like this is my kryptonite when it comes to sales. I get bored. like I see the pattern, I've heard the story, I'm like, come on, let's go." right? This, I am being trans, 100% transparent with you. If I look at this list out of all of them, the weakness that I have is not building rapport. It's holding on to attention. It's holding on to wanting to keep a conversation going. And it's it's important that you understand where you struggle. It's important for you to recognize and say, hey, here's where I'm having a problem. Here's where things aren't working out for me. I've pinpointed for me. Small talk just bores me out of my mind. I go to events And the last thing I want to do is small talk. I want to have important talk. I want to have, you know, uh, deep conversation. Small talk, though, it's chit-chat, and it's hard for me. It really, truly is. And especially, like, in a big room setting because of my hearing problem, it's just, like, it wears me down. I'm exhausted. You want to get me tired? Give me a bunch of small, small chat, small talk. You know, it's just one of those things. I don't struggle with building rapport. I struggle with keeping rapport because, like, I just get, like, ugh. I'm done. I'm I'm easily like Mm-mm. I see the pattern. I've talked to so many people. I know where this is going. It's not very interesting, and it, especially if the person's like a whiny complainy person, I'm like Mm-mm-mm. not going to do it. Number four, an agenda, an agenda. I see salespeople miss this a lot. They don't set an agenda. They don't they don't explain what to expect. They don't share with the buyer, the client, whoever they're working with, the prospective client, what's gonna happen. There's no future pacing. There's no, you know, here's the conversation. Now, in my agenda, just so you know, when people talk to me, I say at some point we're gonna get to a budget. And if we can't get to a budget, there's no reason to continue on from here. Because I've learned early on that if people are scared to talk to me about money and I don't bring it up, then people don't talk to me about money. So when you build your agenda, you might have your own things that you want to put in there. You could say, hey, look, you know what? This whole conversation is going to take about 30 minutes. Great, great. You could tell somebody, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to do some uh, presentation on face-to-face, and then I'm going to switch it over to a Zoom, and then we're going to go that direction, or I'm going to switch it over to a PowerPoint, and then I'm going to switch it whatever way that you set your agenda. I'm not telling you you have to do it my way, okay? Number five, discovery. And in my mind, and from working with salespeople, there's a couple of things that you have to find out in the discovery. You need a pain, a problem, or a pleasure. Like the buyer that you're meeting with has to have a pain, a problem, or a pleasure. Because if they're not, if they don't, there's no reason for you to be talking to them. Next, you need a budget. And once you have a budget, then you need a commitment that they want to do something about their problem. Now, you're not going to get this in one sentence, just so you know. This is going to take a little bit of time. And this is where your question-asking abilities work towards your favor. And so if you have a list of questions, I like to work off of a list of questions before I meet with somebody. That way, I get everything down. I, I look at it like I'm doing an interview. I need to figure out what's going on. You know, When somebody, when somebody is like, here, i want to give you a prescription, and they don't ask enough questions, I'm like, hey, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. And I'll tell people they're like, "Hey, can we just hurry up?" You know, I'm like, "Hey, I'm the one that's going to prescribe something here. And prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. If I if I go down that path, and you don't get what you want, it's going to be because we sped up here. It was going to it would be over two or three minutes, or ten or twenty. You know, you want an outcome to happen, you're going to take those ten or twenty minutes or thirty minutes with me. And then here's the thing: uh, if one of those three things is missing, you're going to lose your deal. I'm I'm just going to tell you. You need a pain, a problem, or a pleasure. You need a budget, and you need a commitment. If one of those three things is missing, sale doesn't happen. And, and I really want you to think about that. Like when you miss a deal, just go down that, go down to the past, because this is what I ask salespeople. So, salesperson will come up, Scott. I missed my deal. Okay, let's talk about it. List out pain, problem, or pleasure. Well, uh, you know they're having a problem with staffing. Okay, great. What was their budget? I forgot to ask them. So where are you blew it? Okay. Did you get a commitment? No, you didn't get a commitment because all you had was a pain, a problem, or a pleasure. You didn't have a budget. You can't get a commitment without that. So it comes down to discovery, but it also comes down to follow-up questions and recapping. So one of the greatest things that you could do in any discovery phase is when somebody says, all right, here's all my problems, here's my pain, here's my risk, here's my budget, and here's my commitment, is to go back and just say, hey, just to make sure that we're on the same page. This is everything that you're looking for. This is everything that you want. This is all the things that you need. And if you had all of this, you would be happy. Yes. Okay. It's the recap of the discovery. It's not just the discovery. It's the recap of the discovery. It's like, you know, if you listen to the podcast episodes where I talk about the fortune is in the follow-up. Well, the fortune isn't just in the follow-up of calling somebody and emailing them and texting them and sending them videos. It's also in the follow-up question. So the the most powerful thing that you could do in discovery is ask good questions. And then next to that is to do a recap of everything that that person's having issues with. Number six, the presentation. The presentation. The things that you're going to talk about, the things that you're going to do, the way that you're going to get your buyer engaged, the, the cool things that you have, the biggest benefits that you have for them you know, the the features that they need. And some of this comes from your discovery phase. And if you're not asking enough questions in discovery to uncover and peel back the layers of the onion, it's going to be tough to give a really good presentation. Now, number seven is going to pop up, which are going to be objections that actually happen throughout the whole call if you're paying attention. You know, I have this belief that if people are giving me objections in a presenta- presentation, I address them as they're coming up. I don't want them to sit around and stir echoes in their brain. I want I want them to know that I'm not afraid to have a conversation, that nothing really scares me. Like, whatever. It's just a conversation. You know, the other day I was in my mom's office and somebody had called and they were upset. And she runs a company. And I said, I'll take the phone call. She goes, you don't know all the details. I said, watch. Let's put them on the phone. So I started asking questions and digging in and figuring out what was going on. And I did a discovery call, them because when you deal with upset people, you got to go through a discovery phase, and then you're going to give a presentation of what you can do, and then you're going to have to deal with objections. Dealing with difficult people and upset people is the same thing as a sales process. So the reason I bring this up is you really do have objections all the way through the sales process. If you're paying attention, you can answer them real time. I kind of feel like I lost you here. There's something that, that got you wrong. I see like there's an issue with what what I just said. Do you mind sharing me what's going through your head at this point? Whatever way you want to say it. I'm just giving you a couple of examples. You can like go back and listen to this episode, make your own list. But the thing is, is to just get used to calling things out as they are real time. Number eight, closing. Asking for the sale. Well, closing is something that really confuses people because... If you give a really good presentation, you don't have to do the always be closing thing. Like, uh, There's a lot of things that I believe in in the world of sales, and then there's some things where I'm like, uh, it is kind of old, 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 old school to constantly always be closing. Because it, what, it, what it turns out to be on your end is very needy. And it's okay if you and I disagree on this, right? There's, there's some people that I know that are fantastic at sales, and they believe in always be closing. And this is just a personal preface. Do you like Coke? Do you like Pepsi? Do you like... Do you like uh, vanilla ice cream? Do you like Rocky Road? Do you like uh, sunsets? Do you like sunrises? In my mind, you know, always be closing causes a lot of problems for you because at the end of the day, you're constantly requiring that answer to get your own dopamine rush. So when you take a look at it, a structured presentation in the format that I just gave you is really truly meant to free you. So I got a question. What format are you using? What are you doing right now? What's your process? Do you have a process that you could map out? Like if I sat down and said, I want you to take 15 minutes and I want you to map out a process for me. Could you do it? Could you figure it out? I mean, could you put it on some sticky notes and then move some sticky notes around on a board and say, this is my, my direction. Cause like, that's really what your challenge is. You should map out what your process is. You should map out the, the organization or the order that you put it in. Because here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a day where everything falls apart and everything sucks. And if you have your own roadmap and you have your own, like, this is my checklist and these are the things that I do and I go in the order of my checklist, then boom, you're on it. So I want to say six years ago, I was at a home show and there was a guy presenting pans, like cooking cookware pans. And this guy had a masterful presentation, masterful vocal inflection and tone, pitch pacing, pauses, everything. Everything was masterful. And so the guy ended up being a friend of a friend. And I was like, you know what? I'm intrigued. It's question time. I want to see what this closer does. So I'm talking to this guy and I'm like, tell me about your process. And he goes, well, first I learned it from another person. I said, okay, how'd you learn it? He said, I recorded it. I said, okay. And he says, it's 60 pages, six zero. I was like, oh my goodness, that's some dedication. So then we start talking and I say, okay, so tell me about your role. Tell me about your job. Tell me how much money you make. And the guy says, well, you know, that's kind of private. And I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you the exact number. Okay. But this guy was clearing over half a million dollars a year selling pots and pans at home shows. And I, I could tell you from watching him, hundred percent believe it because like, He had massive crowd control. This dude was hypnotic to the point where I was like, man, maybe I need $4,000 pans. And I was like, no, I don't. I live by myself. I don't need $4,000 pans and I don't cook that often. I barbecue everything. I need a $4,000 barbecue. (laughs) I don't need $4,000 pots and pans. Give me a big green egg or a Komodo Joe. I (laughs) I don't need pans like that. I need a grilling machine. That's what I'm after. A Traeger, right? Or whatever you choose. But, you know look for people who have a good process look for ways to go hey how could i do that how could i pick that apart and how could i use it but here's the thing you got to find a way and you got to stick to it you got to stick to it long enough to recognize the patterns and you know if if anything everybody gets bored everybody gets like oh my goodness i'm doing the same thing and you know i i have friends that have been in movies I've got friends that have been on Broadway I've got friends that are musicians and they're like Scott, you know, we do the same thing every time, all the time. It gets boring. Like sometimes you look at your favorite band on stage and there's days where they're in it and they're like, yeah, we're on fire. And then there's days where you know that they're mailing it in. They're just like, you know, they're playing the strings on the guitar. They're bored. They're not interested. They're like, I've done this a million times. I could do this with my eyes closed. And sometimes they do it with their eyes closed. And then you make changes slowly when you're on top. That's when you make the changes is when you're on top, but very slowly. This is why you should always record your presentation when you're doing bad and when you're doing good. That way you have a baseline, bad and good. So I made a couple of lists here. Why salespeople panic? One, they feel like the constraints are holding them back. They feel like, uh, you know what? I'm going through this process. I'm giving this presentation. It feels boring because I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like that's every job. I, I, you name the job, I can't think of a role where somebody doesn't do the same thing. Even when they're when somebody's doing creatives, even when somebody's doing marketing, they tend to do the same things over and over and over again to come up with, with their ideas, with their content, with their strategies. Number two, they fly by the seat of their pants to speed up the sales process so that they can close more sales, so they can make more money, so they can make up the lost amount of deals that they made. So flying by the seat of your pants closes you about 13% on average for most industries, maybe 20. And like, yes, on a Wednesday on a full moon, there's probably a dude crushing it that flies by the seat of his pants, but it is not normal. That's the thing you got to recognize, right? Most salespeople are not abnormal enough to make that happen. Most salespeople are normal. Number three, they're not making money. And because they're not making money, they do weird things to try to get a dopamine rush. They go off script. They do wacky things in a presentation. I have been the recipient of wacky sales presentations. And I got to tell you, not impressed. Not impressed. Number four, they quit just before they get good. I worked with a guy probably three years ago. And this this guy had more potential than anybody I've ever worked with. Like, Out of everybody I worked with, this guy had the most amount of potential. And just about the time that he was about to be really good, he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not interesting. And I said, you are about to take off. You are about to be a rocket in the sky. You are about to be in outer space. You just got like another two months, I promise you. And he was like, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, I don't know if that dude has regrets. haven't talked to him, haven't seen him. But this, you know... I, I could tell the guy was going to... He just did not believe in himself to the point. Didn't He got bored, got frustrated, but it was going to be amazing. And there's people who come into your organization that you look around, that they have the ability to be amazing and they just don't use it. And, it, and you know what? Sometimes that could be you too. Uh, I am not perfect. I make a, a point to say that in every podcast and every episode because I never wanted to come across like preaching. There's probably things that I could have done. And, and been masterful at it, but I, I gave up on it before it was time. I, as a kid, I was learning how to play the guitar. And I got to tell you, the single dude in me wishes me going like, hey, I wish I knew how to play the guitar. It's a freaking chick magnet. So here's what you can do. <laughs> find, find a solid presentation for your industry and stick to it. Yep. Good old boring presentation that's very predictable and makes a lot of money. It's a flywheel. It is a money flywheel. Number two, practice a bunch of times. Practice a bunch of times. And then when you get bored with it, practice it a bunch more times. And then when you get bored with it, practice it a bunch more times. But you got to practice with purpose. You absolutely have to practice with purpose. You can't just practice for the sake of practicing. You got to practice with the ability of saying, what am I doing right? What can I improve? And so like, this is why recordings really do matter because you can watch and listen to what you're saying and doing. Get used to saying things over and over and over again. Like, I have catchphrases. I do. It's not a sales call. It's a performance. You can't you can't outwork me. You can only underbid me. Uh, you know, there's a ton of them. You listen to these episodes, you're, you'll hear them like, oh, here it comes. Scott's going to say it. I know he's going to use it. We could take bets. We could probably make it a drinking game. Probably could figure out what he's going to say, what he's going to do. You know, it's, it's important for you to recognize that people sell how they buy something that I say a lot, something that I started talking about in 2009 and 2010, be willing to get used to a boring conversation that'll make you interesting. Now, remember earlier on this episode that I shared with you, there are times where I get bored with small talk and there are times where I get bored in presentations. There are times where I get bored when people are presenting to me and sometimes I just say lose focus, especially if I'm tired, hungry, or thirsty. So this is uh, important for you to know is what is your kryptonite? What are the things that make you go, mm, just not into this right now? Not very interesting. Not going to do it. You know, it could be a fight with a significant other. It could be hungry. It could be tired. It could be uncomfortable. I got a back issue. And most of the time I'm comfortable, but occasionally my back just is like, oh my goodness. And knots, knots right around the baseline, belt line, <laughs> knots right around the belt line, And it causes issues. And, you know, the real deal is we all struggle with something. It's true. The best closers I know, you know, they, they have their own struggles. The weak salespeople that I know, they have their struggles. So the thing is, is to get through the fight and to have a presentation that you use consistently over and over and over again and look for the ways that you can get better. I opened this episode talking about a story of a person that presented that was flying by the seat of their pants, and it made it difficult to want to watch the presentation. And it's not very often that I go out and I actively complain about things. But this presentation that I was watching was one that I had to step aside and say, hey, I got challenges with this. I really do. So be aware that if you really want to win, you really want to be on top, you're going to have to put the time, the effort, and the energy in. And it's going to get boring. It's going to get tiring. But at the same time, Once you get bored and tired, that's typically where the money starts coming in. That's usually where things happen. I saw a presenter say, look, if you can predict what's going to happen in a presentation, that means that you're ready and masterful and you really don't need as much training as you think that you do. So there you go. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.